Welcome to Breaking Down Patriarchy. I'm Amy McPhee Olibest. On season one of this podcast, we talked several times on several different episodes about how patriarchy places men in positions of authority to make decisions about women's bodies and women's reproductive choices. We learned about Margaret Sanger's essays on birth control, and then we talked about it again on the episode on Roe v. Wade. And when we did those episodes, I mentioned a kind of essay that I'd seen a few years before. It's a Twitter thread that went viral when it came out, and it's by the author and blogger and OG influencer Gabrielle Blair or Design Mom. And I am so excited to have Gabrielle Blair here today to share her Twitter thread on abortion and talk about this with us. So welcome, Gabrielle. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited about this. I'm wondering if we can start the episode with you just reading your Twitter thread on abortion. And then when you're done with that, then we can discuss it a little bit and I'll ask you some questions about it. Oh, that's perfect. I would love that. Okay, I'll begin. (laughs) I'm a mother of six and a Mormon, so I have a good understanding of arguments surrounding abortion, religious and otherwise. I've been listening to men grandstand about women's reproductive rights, and I'm convinced men actually have zero interest in stopping abortion. Here's why. If you want to stop abortion, you need to prevent unwanted pregnancies, and men cause 100% of unwanted pregnancies. No, for real, they do. Perhaps you are thinking, it takes two. And yes, it does take two for intentional pregnancies. But all unwanted pregnancies are caused by the irresponsible ejaculations of men. Period. Don't believe me? Let me walk you through it. Let's start with this. With rare exceptions, a woman's eggs are only fertile about two days each month. And that's for a limited number of years. That makes 24 days a year a woman is fertile. But men are fertile and can cause pregnancy 365 days a year. In fact, if you're a man who ejaculates multiple times a day, you could cause multiple pregnancies daily. In theory, a man could cause a thousand plus unwanted pregnancies in just one year. And though their sperm gets crappier as they age, men can cause unwanted pregnancies from puberty till death. So just starting with basic biology plus the calendar, it's easy to see men are the real issue here. But what about birth control? If a woman doesn't want to risk an unwanted pregnancy, why wouldn't she just use birth control? If a woman can manage to figure out how to get an abortion, surely she can get birth control, right? Great questions. Modern birth control is possibly the greatest invention of the last century, and I am very grateful for it. It's also brutal. The side effects for many women are ridiculously harmful, so ridiculous that when an oral contraception for men was created, it wasn't approved because of the side effects, and the list of side effects was about one-third as long as the known side effects for women's oral contraception. There's a lot to be unpacked just in that story, but I'll simply point out that as a society, we really don't mind if women suffer, physically or mentally, as long as it makes things easier for men. But good news, men. Even with the horrible side effects, women are still very willing to use birth control. Unfortunately, it's harder to get than it should be. Birth control options for women require a doctor's appointment and a prescription. It's not free and often not cheap. In fact, there are many people trying to make it more expensive by fighting to make sure insurance companies refuse to cover it. Oral contraceptives for women can't be acquired easily or at the last minute, and they don't work instantly. If we're talking about the pill, It requires consistent daily use and doesn't leave much room for mistakes, forgetfulness, or unexpected disruptions to daily schedules. And again, the side effects can be brutal. I'm still grateful for it. Please don't take it away. I'm just saying women's birth control isn't simple or easy. In contrast, let's look at birth control for men, meaning condoms. Condoms are readily available at all hours, inexpensive, convenient, and don't require a prescription. They're effective and work on demand instantly. Men can keep them stocked up just in case, so they're always prepared. Amazing. They are so much easier than birth control options for women. As a bonus, in general, women love when men use condoms. They keep us from getting STDs. They don't lessen our pleasure during sex or prevent us from climaxing. And the best part? Cleanup is so much easier. No waddling to the toilet as your jizz drips down our legs. 
So why in the world are there ever unwanted pregnancies? Why don't men just use condoms every time they have sex? Seems so simple, right? Oh, I remember. Men don't love condoms. In fact, men frequently pressure women to have sex without a condom. And it's not unheard of for men to remove the condom during sex without the woman's permission or knowledge. Pro tip, that's assault. Why would men want to have sex without a condom? Good question. Apparently, it's because for the minutes they are penetrating their partner, having no condom gives the experience more pleasure. So, there are men willing to risk getting a woman pregnant, which means literally risking her life, her health, her social status, her relationships, and her career, so that they can experience a few minutes of slightly more pleasure? Is that for real? Yes. Yes, it is. What are we talking about here pleasure-wise? If there's a pleasure scale with pain beginning at zero and going down into the negatives, a back scratch falling at five, and an orgasm without a condom being a 10, where would sex with a condom fall? Like a seven or eight? So it's not like sex with a condom is not pleasurable. It's just not as pleasurable, an eight instead of a 10. Let me emphasize that again. Men regularly choose to put women at massive risk by having non-condom sex in order to experience a few minutes of slightly more pleasure. Now keep in mind for the truly condom averse, men also have a non-condom, always ready birth control built right in called the pullout. It's not perfect and it's a favorite joke, but according to Planned Parenthood, it is 96% effective when used correctly and 78% effective in practice because some people haven't learned to do it correctly. So surely we can expect men who aren't wearing a condom to at least pull out every time they have sex, right? Nope. And why not? Well, again, apparently it's slightly more pleasurable to climax inside a vagina than, say, on their partner's stomach. So men are willing to risk the life, health, and well-being of women in order to experience a tiny bit more pleasure for like five seconds during orgasm. It's mind-boggling and disturbing when you realize that's the choice men are making. And honestly, I'm not as mad as I should be about this because we've trained men from birth that their pleasure is of utmost importance in the world and to disassociate sex and pregnancy. While we're here, let's talk a bit more about pleasure and biology. Did you know that as a general rule, a man can't get a woman pregnant without having an orgasm? Yes, there are exceptions. It's possible for sperm to show up in pre-ejaculate. But in most cases, a man has an orgasm in order to impregnate a woman, which means that we can conclude getting a woman pregnant is a pleasurable act for men. But did you further know that men can get a woman pregnant without her feeling any pleasure at all? In fact, it's totally possible for a man to impregnate a woman even while causing her excruciating pain, trauma, or horror. In contrast, a woman can have nonstop orgasms with or without a partner and never once get herself pregnant. A woman's orgasm has literally nothing to do with pregnancy or fertility. Her clitoris exists not for creating new babies, but simply for pleasure. No matter how many orgasms she has, they won't make her pregnant. Pregnancies can only happen when men have an orgasm. Unwanted pregnancies can only happen when men orgasm irresponsibly. What this means is a woman can be the sluttiest slut in the entire world who loves having orgasms all day long and all night long, and she will never find herself with an unwanted pregnancy unless a man shows up and ejaculates irresponsibly. Women enjoying sex does not equal unwanted pregnancy and abortion. Men enjoying sex and having irresponsible ejaculations is what causes unwanted pregnancies and abortion. Let's talk more about responsibility. Men often don't know and don't ask and don't think to ask if they've caused a pregnancy. They may never think of it or associate sex with making babies at all. Why? Because there are zero consequences for men who cause unwanted pregnancies. If the woman decides to have an abortion, the man may never know he caused an unwanted pregnancy with his irresponsible ejaculation. If the woman decides to have the baby or put the baby up for adoption, the man may never know that there's now a child walking around with 50% of his DNA. If the woman does tell him that he caused an unwanted pregnancy and that she's having the baby, the closest thing to a consequence for him is that he may need to pay child support. But our current child support system is well known to be a joke. Only 61% of men 
or women who are legally required to pay it do. There are little to no repercussions for skipping out. In some states, their credit isn't even affected. So many men keep going as is, causing unwanted pregnancies with irresponsible ejaculations and never giving it a thought. When the topic of abortion comes up, they might think, abortion is horrible. Women should not have abortions. And never once consider the man who caused the unwanted pregnancy. If you're not holding men responsible for unwanted pregnancies, then you are wasting your time. Stop protesting at clinics. Stop shaming women. Stop trying to overturn abortion laws. If you actually care about reducing or eliminating the number of abortions in our country, simply hold men responsible for their actions. What would that look like? What if there was a real and immediate consequence for men who cause an unwanted pregnancy? What kind of consequence would make sense? Should it be as harsh, painful, nauseating, scarring, expensive, risky, and life-altering as forcing a woman to go through a nine-month unwanted pregnancy? In my experience, men really like their testicles. If irresponsible ejaculations were putting their balls at risk, they would stop being irresponsible. Does castration seem like a cruel and unusual punishment? Maybe. But is it worse than forcing 500,000 women a year to puke daily for three months, gain 40 pounds, and then rip their bodies apart in childbirth? Is a handful of castrations worse than women dying during forced pregnancy and childbirth? Put a castration law in the books, implement the law, let the media tell the story, and in three months or less, ta-da, abortions will have virtually disappeared. Can you picture it? No more abortions in less than three months without ever trying to outlaw them. Amazing. For those of you who consider abortion to be murder, wouldn't you be on board with having a handful of men castrated if it prevented 500,000 murders each year? And if not, is that because you actually care more about policing women's bodies, morality, and sexuality than you do about reducing or eliminating abortions? Hey, you can even have the men who will be castrated bank their sperm before it happens, just in case they want to responsibly have kids someday. Can't wrap your head around a physical punishment for men, even though you seem to be more than fine with physical punishments for women? Okay, then how about this prevention idea? At the onset of puberty, all males in the U.S. could be required by law to get a vasectomy. Vasectomies are very safe, highly reversible, and about as invasive as getting an IUD implanted. There is some soreness afterwards for about 24 hours, but that's pretty much it for side effects. So much better than the pill, which is taken by millions of women in our country, the side effects of which are well known and can be brutal. If or when the male becomes a responsible adult and perhaps finds a mate, if they want to have a baby, the vasectomy can be reversed and then redone once the childbearing stage is over. And each male can bank their sperm before the vasectomy, just in case. It's not that wild of an idea. 80% of males in the U.S. are circumcised, most as babies, and circumcision is not reversible. Don't like my ideas? That's fine. I'm sure there are better ones. Go ahead and suggest your own ideas. My point is that it's nonsense to focus on women if you're trying to get rid of abortions. Abortion is the, the treatment for an unwanted pregnancy. If you want to stop abortions, you need to prevent the disease, unwanted pregnancies. And the only way to do that is by focusing on men because men cause 100% of unwanted pregnancies. Or in other words, irresponsible ejaculations by men cause 100% of unwanted pregnancies. If you're a man, what would the consequence need to be for you to never again ejaculate irresponsibly? Would it be money related? Maybe a loss of rights or freedoms, physical pain? Ask yourselves, what would it take for you to value the life of your sexual partner more than your own temporary pleasure or convenience? Are you someone who learns better with analogies? Let's try this one. Think of another great pleasure in life. Let's say food. Think of your favorite meal, dessert, or drink. What if you found out that every time you indulge in that favorite food, you risked causing great physical and mental pain for someone you know intimately? You might not cause any pain, but it's a real risk. Well, you'd probably be sad, but never indulge in that food again, right? Not worth the risk. And then what if you further found out there was a simple thing you could do before you ate that favorite food, and it would eliminate the risk of causing pain to someone else, which is great news. But the simple thing you need to do makes the experience of eating the food slightly less pleasurable. To be clear, still very pleasurable, just slightly less so. Like maybe you have to eat the food with a fork or spoon that you don't particularly like. Would you be willing to do that simple thing and eliminate the risk of causing pain to someone you know every single time you ate your favorite food? Of course you would. Condoms or even pulling out is that simple thing. Don't put women at risk. 
Don't choose to maximize your own pleasure if it risks causing women pain. Men mostly run our government. Men mostly make the laws. And men could eliminate abortions in three months or less without ever touching an abortion law or even mentioning women. In summary, stop trying to control women's bodies and sexuality. Unwanted pregnancies are caused by men. Amazing. Thank you so much, Gabrielle. It's so powerful hearing you read it, too. I don't think I've ever heard it out loud. I've just read it a bunch of times in text. That's such an important piece. So first question, I'm curious what the circumstances were that led you to write this Twitter thread. Yeah. So I published it right around the time that Kavanaugh was being added to the Supreme Court and the hearings were happening. And when I talk about like at the very beginning that I've been hearing men grandstand about women's reproductive rights, that's what I was referencing. Um, But I had actually written this or written out a lot of the ideas maybe eight months before that, maybe even a year before that, and had just been sort of mulling around and not sure where to put it, you know, not not sure where to put these ideas. Yeah, I had just, I had seen the, the abortion statistics and, and they had surprised me. Like there were more, there were more abortions than I understood. And so I was thinking about why that would be because I basically talk to women for a living, right? Like I, I share their stories. I interact with them. I have a conference. I have this blog. Now I have social media, all these things for 15 years, like talking to women and sharing their stories has been what I do. And if there's something I understand, it's that like women are very aware of their bodies they, we don't necessarily even want to go get like a pap smear. Like we, like all that, anything having to do a visit with the doctor for gynecological needs is like dread. Like women, it, it's so, it's generally unpleasant and, and um, there's usually no pain medication. It, it's it, anyway, it's just not something that I know women like to do. So the idea that like women would be doing this, having abortions as birth control, just of course made no sense to me. I, I couldn't believe that for a second. I'm like, no, I have you met women? There's no way that that that's real. Like women are very careful with their bodies. So then I was like, okay, so then what would it be? And I was like, I was thinking, well, why, why not birth control? And I instantly knew why I'm like, oh, I know why I've been on every type of birth control. I hate every single one. I mean, I love them. I'm so grateful that I was able to control um, when I chose to have babies. And I did control that every time. That was always a choice, which was great. But they always like every single one had side effects that were really, really horrific for me. And so, and, and beyond that, the side effects that we don't really think of, like not physical side effects, but just like the time it takes to maintain your prescription and go visit the doctor and you have new, new insurance or don't have insurance, or, you know, is this doctor in your insurance network or, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then filling the prescription and then remembering to take the pill every day, or if it's not the pill, remember to get the shot every few months, or if it's not the shot, remembering, to, you know, what kind of maintenance you need to do for your IUD or does it need to be, you know, do you need to have the one with the hormone or the copper one without the hormone or you know, all the things? There's just so much of that happening as well. And um, I anyway, just hated every part of it. And what, I remember, you know, even from a li- religious standpoint, thinking I am willing to have as many babies as God wants to send, right? Like I, I, I'm excited to be a mother. I want a big family. I knew that I came from a big family. My husband did too. And we wanted a big family, but like, can I, why does it have to be this hard to like prevent, you know, uh, babies from coming? It just seemed like so much work. Um, until we knew we were done and my husband got a vasectomy and I was like, Oh, this is amazing. This is amazing. No side effects for him all my side effects gone. I don't have to ever think about this again. Like it's just beautiful and so much less expensive, so much less maintenance. I mean, you never have to think about it again. Anyway, so back to this, the thread was just like, I could instantly see how women could get pregnant or wouldn't be on birth control because it can be really hard to get birth control money-wise, time-wise, physical response-wise. It can just be really hard. And then I also understand the power dynamic among men and women, which is, you know, not great in a patriarchal society ever, but like even worse in the bedroom or it can be, you know, where, again, I think women are raised, men are raised with the idea that like sex is for men and the pleasure of sex is for men. 
And for women, it's secondary if they experience it at all. It's just not the thing. And so, and then we're also, I mean, it's not like anyone ever talked to me about condoms as a kid. I don't think, I don't remember a lot of conversations about it, but I definitely understood as I was, you know, getting into adulthood that like condoms were a joke and that men didn't want to use condoms and that um, somehow sex was going to be is horrible if you're using condoms or, you know, like I, I had all these bad associations with condoms, you know, so it's just pretty pervasive in our culture. And, um, and I, you know, and I'm sure I could track it to, I'm sure there were movies or TVs or some jokes somewhere or something that I saw, but so just all these thoughts came together and I was like, okay, it's hard for women to get birth control. We have this idea. Men don't want to use condoms and there are plenty of men that think, you know, are sure they don't want to use condoms too. Um, whether they even understand how to use them correctly or not, they just are sure they don't want to use them. Um, and we don't really care about women's pleasure. And, you know, we definitely want to maximize men's pleasure. And I don't, it just all came together. I was like, wait, this isn't, there's, this is, this is so messed up. Like, well, I, it just was like, like it got me really angry. And I ended up writing this, all this stuff out. And then again, kind of sitting on it for many months because I wasn't sure what to do with it. And then, um, and then the Kavanaugh uh, hearings were happening and I needed to channel my anger and wrote my very first Twitter thread. And that was this one. Hmm. Wow. Okay. How was it received when it came out just right off um, the bat? I mean, I thought very favorably, very positively. There was plenty of negative, of course, but for anyone who read it, they seemed to, to really appreciate it. Um, I got wonderful feedback from women. I mean, just, I, you know, from friends, from strangers, things like, oh my gosh, I was like jumping up and down as I read this, like, and, and even people like I've been a feminist for 50 years and I've never thought of this. Holy cow. Why doesn't my husband have a vasectomy? I hate being on an IUD. Like, and you know, so women who are, are, are feel very empowered, who were very forward thinking or are very forward thinking and still had never considered that maybe the birth control shouldn't all be on their shoulders, that their husband could step up or their partner. And um, it had just never occurred to it. It's so embedded in our society that women are expected to do all the work of pregnancy prevention and women are entirely blamed for unwanted pregnancies. Like this is just a fact in our, in our society. And um, anyway, so lots of, lots of positivity and from plenty of men too, who were like, whoa, holy cow, I'm, you know, I'm going to go make my vasectomy appointment or like I just mm -hmm. hadn't, they had never considered it either. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, plenty of people angry. It's very interesting because I wrote it in the fall of 2018. Mm -hmm. um, now it's the fall of 2021. It still gets retweeted every day. I get people arguing with me on Twitter every day. Um, wow. Every single day. I mean, mostly I ignore it, but if I'm ever in the mood to like argue with someone, I always know I can go to Twitter and find someone that's <laughs> arguing with my thread. Um, but it's interesting because every time you'll see them start arguing at like tweet number two, where it says men cause 100% of unwanted pregnancies and they can't get past it. They have no idea what the thread even says. They just can't get past that, that I said that like, no, it has to be on both of them. And I'm like, oh, you like, you would like it to be on both of them. That sounds lovely. What world do you live in where it's on both of them? It's not like you can say that it is, but like, well, the woman can just, you know, tell the man he has to wear a condom and you're like, okay, so she's being responsible for her body and for his body in that scenario. What's the man being responsible for? And of course they're like, you know, they're, and they're just so frustrated that I would try and say it's all on men. I'm like, okay, well, for however many millennium, we've said it's 100% on women. Is, is that bothered you or is it only bother you when I say it's 100% on men? Like, can you show me your tweets where you've talked about how imbalanced it is that women do all the birth control um, work and, and pregnancy prevention work? And of course, they're, of course, they have no tweets about that, that imbalance because they've never noticed it or thought about it until I pointed it out in the thread. But, and again, they've never even actually read the thread. They, they just got the right. part, the second tweet where I say men cause 100% of unwanted pregnancies and they cannot get past that. So there are plenty of men that, that like to argue with me about that. But I mean, I have ha had thousands of people make the same arguments that it's also always interesting because I'm like, you found a thread from 
three years ago and you're pretty sure, and it's got hundreds of thousands of responses and you're pretty sure you have a new original argument <laughs> to add to this. <laughs> Welcome to Twitter. You know, like let's, right. yeah. Oh, I've only heard that exact argument, you know, however many thousands of times, but yeah. anyway, it's interesting. But overall, yeah. I would say that the reception has been great. I got, you know, invited to conferences to present it. I've, you know, been able to, to, to present it on stage a few times, which is awesome. Um, I know it was added to a couple of textbooks. Anyway, it's, 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 it's awesome. That is awesome. That's so great. Yeah. One thing that, that really spoke to me about it was I was doing a project, like a research project on abortion rights for a women's health and human rights class in mm -hmm. grad school. And as I was looking at abortion, like you say, I mean, that's why it resonated with me so much partly is just because, as you say in the piece, abortion is something that we have to do in order to deal with the real problem. So the root is the unwanted pregnancy. And I, right. and I was trying to figure out a way to like to, some low hanging fruit that both sides of the political debate could get behind that and say, yes, we're, we can address this route together. And that's what I like so much is people who feel very strongly that abortion is morally wrong and they have a really, really hard time legalizing abortion. They want mm -hmm. to pre prevent, you know, unwanted pregnancies. Yes. And then no woman, like you said, no woman ever wants an abortion because no woman ever wants to be in that heartbreaking position where she realizes that, you know, she's conceived and needs it. It's just nobody wants it. By definition, it's no an unwanted to, pregnancy. And right, so. right, right. And uh, absolutely. So I was very intentional as I wrote it and shared it to start with that I was a mother and that yeah. I was a Mormon. And I knew yeah. the Mormon part would bring in people that had a typical pro-life stance, although I, I don't have a pro-life stance, but I knew that that would make people that had a pro-life stance feel like it was probably safe to read. And because for exactly the reason you're saying, like, I don't really talk about abortion. There's no mention of babies, really. Right. You know, it's, we're talking about unwanted pregnancy. The idea of stopping abortion, the idea of like being in an abortion clinic to stop an abortion is just makes no sense. You're way too late. You're way yeah. too late. Like you should have prevented the problem in the first place. Um, it was easily preventable. It's highly preventable. By the time you get to someone has made a decision to get an abortion, you're not going to change their minds. Like that's just, that's ridiculous to even think that, that you would. Mm -hmm. And, and again, I, I, like I, I position it, I position the thread in the terms of the idea that men really have no interest in reducing abortion or getting rid of abortion. And this is why, and I try and explain why that if they did care, they could, they could easily reduce it. They could eliminate abortions without ever touching abortion law. Men could do that. No problem. They right. choose not to, but I do, I would do want to be clear because the threat doesn't make clear, but I do want to be clear that I'm pro-choice. And in fact, I don't, I'm not out there trying to seek a reduction in abortions except for that I hated being pregnant so much and hated the first trimester of pregnancy so much that I would want to see a, a reduction of abortions if I could prevent people from experiencing that, um, mm. like that, that don't want to be experiencing it. So like the physical, the physical being pregnant, having to go to the doctor, all of that. Um, I hate all parts of that and would want to eliminate that for women. So as far as like wanting to see abortions be reduced, that would be my intention. I don't want people to have to have that physical experience. The mm -hmm. other thing where I would want to see a reduction in abortions is it would mean men aren't being so casual with women's bodies. Right. And that I think would be a really good sign. But as far as like, I, I don't have moral issues with abortion, even as a Mormon, like I don't see anything in our doctrine that would make sense to that. Like, not, I know this is, I, I don't want to, I know this isn't a Mormon podcast. I don't want to get deep into Mormon doctrine, um, but there is no Mormon doctrine on whether a fetus has a soul. There is no doctrine on that. There is no doctrine on that at all. And so I see no difference. And, and I can tell from my own, I can only say from my own experience when I felt like uh, I could feel a soul during my pregnancies. And it was basically when I went to labor. So I have my own personal thoughts on all of that, of course. And and anyone who's experienced pregnancy might have different thoughts than mine, and that's fine. 
Um, but I really see no difference between abortion and miscarriage. I just don't really see a difference there. And, and in fact, most abortions are experienced as a miscarriage. They, you know, a woman takes a pill and she's at home and basically has a miscarriage, you know, like that's the, the, the picture we have of abortion or that the pro-life groups push about abortion is this picture of, they always talk about babies being murdered and torn limb from limb. These are always the phrases they use and they're trying to put a picture out there or they have a picture in their head of a, you know, a three month old baby that's been born. That's, you know, has been nursing for three months or whatever and, you know, being killed. And you're like, okay, this is, none of this is at all real. This is a, you know, uh, it's a fear mongering tactic. And, right. And, and, and if you look at the stats, you know, that the, it's like 90% of abortions are happening before eight weeks or 12 weeks or whatever, very early on. And, and, you know, you look at it, you're like, oh, I wouldn't recognize this as a human embryo. It is so small. Right. It, it's, it's, and uh, anyway, so I just don't see any moral issues with, with it there. And I also really value the woman's life more than the possible might be someday potential other human life that may, you know, whether she had continued with the pregnancy or not may or may not develop into a human being. Like I'm very disturbed that we don't value the living woman more than the possible baby. And that we give a lot of lip service to the instinct of mothers and, you know, mothers knowing what's right and knowing what's best for their kids. And I'm like, okay, well, if that's true, even a little bit, and this mother is saying now is not the time to bring a baby to the world. This is not the time for me to take on motherhood. Why aren't we trusting her? Mm -hmm. If her mother's instincts are telling her, no, do not have this baby. How is that any different than the mother who's saying, okay, I know what's best for my baby who has been born. Right. You know, the, the mother's instinct either exists or it doesn't. So yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I have all sorts of things, all sorts of thoughts on this, of course. Well, yes. I mean, so many of the things that you just said, I wish we could just like go down every rabbit hole and dig into all of them <laughs> because, I mean, this is a podcast on patriarchy, right? And so, so many of the, so many of the points that you bring up are specifically about patriarchal structures and how, I mean, you just laid out how you personally feel about abortion and abortion rights and what feels right to you, you know, ethically and spiritually and intellectually and stuff. And, and just to say, and, you know, in terms of mother's instinct and intuition, the fact, and this is what became so clear to me as I researched abortion for my project. And then as we talked about it, when we read Roe v. Wade and stuff is just, it almost was absurd to me when I looked at photos of the governing bodies who make these choices and, or who weigh in and have like a lot of influence on them, like the Catholic church, for example. And if you look at the, you know, authoritative body of the Catholic church, mm-hmm. it is a hundred percent men, like hundreds of men, <laughs> hundreds of them and zero women. And in our church too, which which weighs in really heavily and people just mm-hmm. kind of like just go with the party line on that. It's 100 percent men who are mm-hmm. making those decisions. And then if you even look in our government and that famous photo that was circulating when Trump mm-hmm. and Pence were like signing some new bill, I don't even remember what it was, but it was like there was not one woman in that room. Mm-hmm. And yet this is an issue that affects 100 percent women. It takes place literally inside a woman's body. And so mm-hmm. for a man to be making any decision mm-hmm. really about mm-hmm. something that happens inside a woman's body, I was like, how have I not seen this before, how not only morally wrong, I was outraged suddenly as I saw it, but also just like, how does anybody think this makes sense? It's like treating women as children that they Mm -hmm. cannot make good, sound decisions for themselves. Yeah. For their own bodies. Yeah. For their own bodies. Um, Mm -hmm. There were some other things that I wanted to ask you about um, kind of in that line of thinking and in seeing this in terms of a patriarchal issue. And one of them yeah. that you brought up is, well, I guess just this irony, right, of that that men do claim authority, 
to make the laws and make the rules and police women's reproduction, but then they won't take responsibility personally, or even as they look at it as a broader issue, they don't take the responsibility that it is men that cause the unwanted pregnancy. Just the irony there of like, <laughs> oh, you can well. cause the problem and then you're going <laughs> to limit my way of dealing with the problem that you caused me in my life. Um, right, right. And, and it just becomes so clear that this is this political tool, this bludgeon that the men who are, I'm thinking of the politicians here who are saying I'm pro-life, they they aren't. They don't even like, what does that even mean? Okay. Besides the, like, do they care about kids at all stages of lives? But even just saying I'm anti-abortion, you're like, how many of you have paid for an abortion? How many of you, um, for, for abortion from someone that you impregnated or one of your kids impregnated or for your, for your own daughter or whoever it might be, the wealthy will always be able to get abortions, whether they're legal or not. Uh, you, you don't actually care about this. You just know if you say this, you will get the vote. And if you did care about it, there are laws you could make that don't affect women that could limit the amount of abortions that happened simply by, you know, preventing unwanted pregnancies. And we know this, and that's what I try to try and spell out in the, in the thread. So the idea that they are very interested in eliminating abortion is just not true. I mean, and it's not like, it's not like magic. We, we know what works. We've seen the studies. We know when Colorado provided free birth control, abortions went down when they, you know, like everyone got free birth control and abortions went down. Why? Because unwanted pregnancies were being prevented. Like we, we know what works. And if the politicians aren't out there pushing for, if they're saying, Hey, I'm anti-abortion, but also no, I don't support, you know, free birth control. You're like, you're not anti-abortion. Like you're just saying right. this thing. You're saying this phrase. You don't actually mean it. Um, and we, and we never call them out on it. I, I don't yeah. feel like we, I mean, I feel like any politician who says I'm anti-abortion needs to have a follow-up question. That's great. What are your proposals for um, irresponsible ejaculations? What, you know, how do you propose that we hold men accountable? How much money are you ready to put toward free birth control? And, you know, how do we make it more accessible? And should there be condoms on, you know, in every vending machine on, you know, right next to the Snickers bars or whatever, like, to ha what do we need to do to make this so easy for people? Um, how much are you ready to spend on a campaign that um, takes the stigma of condoms away? Because the men who yeah. have figured out how to use them, I have plenty of people responding to the thread saying, I ha when I talk about the pleasure scale and, and like, oh, is a condom like a seven or eight? They're like, no, it's a 10. If you know how to use it and you have the right size, you're not buying it too big and you use lubrication properly, it's, you know, like, I don't notice a difference. And I'm thinking, why isn't that? Why aren't we talking about that? Why aren't we, why isn't there a public campaign about that that makes it like, of course, no man would have sex without a condom, that that would be like not wearing your seatbelt or something that would, everyone would be like, that's dumb. Why are you doing that? That's awful. You know, like that's, I don't know. Right. Anyway. Right. And well, and the metaphor that you use in the piece, too, about the food mm -hmm. and and, you know, making it again, kind of a moral philosophy question. Right. Like if you ate this food and it gives you enough psychological distance that you're not thinking about abortion anymore and you're like, oh, my gosh, like what if I ate every time I ate chocolate, you know, a, an innocent child would suffer. Somebody right. innocent would suffer. like, of course, I'd never do that. So I love that you use that analogy. I, I know that in the Netherlands, we, we've talked about that a bunch on season one, that they have mm -hmm. much better, more comprehensive sex education for kids. And mm -hmm. one article that I read talked about like little boys, like when they're little, but I think I, this must have been mostly when they were teenagers, but talking about like, I would never do that to a girl. Like I would never endanger her like that. It was just morally repugnant for them to think about not using birth control because they they see girls as their equals, right? And they right. they would never hurt them. Which brings me to another question: is the point that you bring up about how we don't mind if women suffer mm -hmm. that that men's pleasure is primary, mm -hmm. women's is definitely secondary, and maybe mm -hmm. we don't even care about their pleasure at all. And in fact, we don't mind if they suffer. Was, right. Did that come from? I love that I can hear your kids. It's actually really. Oh, endearing. I'm so sorry. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna leave it in. It's fine. It's so cute. Um, 
But yeah, like, was that a developed idea that you had before you wrote this thread? Where did that? Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know if I have a specific instance where it came from, but I, I just know it to be true in life that like, if, if, you know, I was thinking of it or I, I first stated it in response to that the men's birth control wasn't approved. Um, cause this idea that we don't mind if women suffer as long as it makes things convenient for men. And I think I first started thinking about that in terms of motherhood and, um, just, and, and everything that's put on mothers, like even in this new day and age, and I know men are, are at least some men are trying harder at home. Um, still women are doing the bulk of the parenting, still women are doing the bulk of the housework and running the household. And, um, again, and we know that women are suffering because of it. Like we know of that. We, that's a fact. That's not a new thing. That's, I didn't come up with that. Everyone knows that. But as long as it makes things convenient for men, oh, well, well, the women will have to suffer. And that's just, you could think of a thousand instances of it. Like there's, I mean, we can think of every instance where women are suffering and well, oh, well, it has to happen because it's making things convenient for men. Birth control is really hard for lots of women. The side effects are really hard for lots of women, even when they don't have side effects, just the maintenance and taking it daily, all of that is hard for women. And there's a much easier option for men already existence. I'm not talking about a future pill. I'm talking about condoms. And we never act like men need to wear condoms because women will take care of the birth control. Even if they're suffering, we never, we never ask these wives that read the thread and are like, Holy cow, I hate using birth control. I've been doing it for however many years we're done having babies. Why in the world am I still suffering? Yep. Yep. Because then it means my husband doesn't have to think of it. So many um, couples that, you know, that aren't married yet, that aren't sharing their finances, where I'm hearing from women going, oh, he should be paying half of all my costs on this birth control. He's benefiting from this as much as I am, if not more. He should be paying for my time off or if I have to get childcare to go to the doctor or to pick up my prescription, you know, all the costs of time and money that are involved in it. And women are just expected to do it. And not complain about it. You're not supposed to talk about the side effects or that it made you gain weight or break out or not break out or lose weight or whatever it is that, that you know, or, or much more serious things too. Um, anyway, it, it, there's just like, you see it at work all the time. You know, women are, oh, well, they, they didn't get credit for it or they were asked to take a secretarial role, even though they're, um, you know, a peer at work as long as it makes things more convenient for the men, you know, like it's just a, it's a pretty constant thing. And I don't know. I mean, I, I, I have issues with just how we, the whole expectation in our society that women will want to have babies or that women should want to have babies, that there's an expectation. If you're a woman that can have a baby, you should have a baby that you will have a baby at some point. And um, I mean, pregnancy is really hard and really dangerous and takes your body to like the brink of what it can handle. And childbirth is even worse. Like I still have all sorts of trauma and I had the most normal pregnancy and childbirth, like, like nothing, not even like gestational diabetes, like nothing unusual. And I still have all sorts of trauma from it. You know, like it's, and the idea that we should just assume women will be willing to do this is so bizarre to me. There is nothing, nothing that even close that we assume that all or most men will do that, that that's even like a tenth as hard. And you could say, well, what about soldiers? You're like, okay, well, women are soldiers too, but also there's a, the percentage of men that are soldiers versus women that have babies is not comparable. Right. Like, this right. isn't like, this is the, you know, like there's just nothing that we ask them to do that's as dangerous. And we go into it not saying, oh, this is dangerous and scary and risky. We go into it just ex- expecting women to be really happy about it. Right, right, right. And it, yeah, I don't know. The whole, it, it's, it's the way we think about pregnancy is so bizarre. And so th- it also ties into how we think about abortion because there's definitely this argument like, why wouldn't you just have the baby? Like, I, we don't understand. A pregnancy is this 
joyous thing. Having a baby is a joyous thing, right? And I'm like, whoa, let's back up a few steps. Where did you get that idea? <laughs> yeah. Right. It reminds me too of just, I mean, there's there's a religious foundation here too with the curse of Eve, right? And I've right. read enough like <laughs> treatises from the Middle Ages about how, you know, that women should have pain in childbirth because that's part of just their curse of being female. Being, and I think yeah. a lot of that comes, our, our comfort and our, our being okay with women being in pain, I think comes from that as well. I mean, there were doctors who said like when there was anesthetic for women who thought that it wasn't appropriate for women right. to have pain relief in labor because it's part of the curse of Eve. So I think just culturally, even right. in ways we don't even realize subconsciously, we're just okay with women being in pain. I'm sure you've read the studies about IUDs and pain relief in your readings. And just um, so I feel like I've talked to in response to the thread, discussions with many doctors um, that want to talk to me about the pain levels of vasectomies, you know, and, and reassure me like, no, it's super simple. And you get, you know, there are doctors who are very pro vasectomy saying, no, I hope men feel comfortable with it. It's so great. And they're administered pain relief and blah, blah, blah. And the discussions end up talking about, it's about the same amount of pain as when you get an IUD, they would say, except with IUDs, it's, standard to not administer pain relief. So, mm -hmm. the, so it's the same level of pain sounds, you know, but men get pain relief and women don't. I've had IUD, um, it was incredibly painful and um, like screaming painful, um, both having it inserted and having it removed eventually when it caused all sorts of problems for me, but yeah, no pain relief didn't even come up. It didn't like, you're just as, and I didn't understand until years later, like, what? They're not, why aren't they giving us pain relief? Like what in the world? So they're giving men pain relief for vasectomies, which is the same amount of pain, but not for IUDs, which is anyway, it's just like the, just, we just are fine for women to suffer. It's just like a, an expectation that somehow yeah. will become, that somehow it will benefit us. I, I, it's unclear. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, my last question, Gabrielle, before we wrap up is, how do you think this whole issue of birth control and abortion rights would be different if the world had always been run by women instead of men? I think, I really think abortion would be just no different than, you know, taking an aspirin or something for a headache. They would like, if you didn't want to be pregnant, then you're not pregnant. Like, it's, it's for... It's the, if the mother doesn't want to be pregnant, that's the best decision for the mother. And it's the best decision for the possible future could have been a child. Like if the mother does not want to be pregnant, the mother doesn't want to be pregnant, period. So I think abortion would just be a, a non-issue, which historically it kind of was a non-issue. So it's, you know, like, I, I, I don't even think that that is like a weird or out of reach thing. It feels like we almost had that, you know, and, um, and then it kind of disappeared. And I think that men would be really, really careful with women's bodies. Like, I think men need to, it's like, we need to teach men their sperm is dangerous. I mean, at the end of the day, like it can cause a lot of problems. It can really hurt people. And, um, like a pregnancy can cause all sorts of problems, um, physically, socially, I mean, all the things. So they need to be so careful with it. It's, it's as if, you know, if you, if, if you had a child that could, that had a disease that was very spreadable and could get someone else sick, you would, you know, teach this child, like, oh, you have to be so careful with your body that you don't get someone else sick. Like, of course, of course. And, and the child would be fine with that. Like, like, yes, I'm going to be so careful. I don't want to get anyone sick. We don't teach men about their bodies like that. We don't teach boys about their bodies like that either. And maybe we should just this idea that like, hey, you can cause lots of damage with your body and not, I'm not, not even thinking of like, you know, muscle and punching and that kind of awful stuff. I don't, you know, you know, men don't think of that. And I don't know that women think of that, but um, I think if women around the world, then men would be much more careful with women's bodies. Mm-hmm. 
Well, thank you so much, Gabrielle. This was a super enlightening conversation, and it was so amazing to hear you read your piece out loud. And I'm so grateful that you were willing to do this episode. Thanks so much for being here. Amy, this was, um, I love talking to you. Thank you so much for inviting me. We're so grateful to Gabrielle Blair for sharing her essay and her thoughts on this really, really important topic. Listeners, if you want to do some follow-up research as you think more about reproductive rights, I highly recommend reading the Supreme Court case Roe v. Wade and then listening to our episode on that court case from season one. It's two episodes, number 39 and 40. It's really critical to be well-informed on this issue. Also, look up Gabrielle Blair's work at designmom.com. It's gorgeous and smart and fun and uplifting. And then follow her on social media at designmom. She has an, a fantastic Instagram account that I love looking at. And then I also highly recommend subscribing to her thought-provoking newsletter as well. She's a brilliant, brilliant thinker and writer, as you can tell from today's episode. Like always, I also want to thank Sam Preminger for our production, Brianna Jovan for our editing, and Lindsay Olibest for our social media. And of course, thank you to all of our listeners. I know I've said it before, but really your engagement, tuning in every week, leaving reviews, sharing the podcast, and joining the conversation on social media, all of that support really makes a difference. So thank you. And please make sure you join us again next week when we'll be joined by two very special guests, Dr. Devorah Gren of the Lilith Institute and our very own Lucy Olibest, who will share some unsettling and fascinating history about the demonization of women and how patriarchy tries to distort women and make us into monsters. So join us for this fascinating discussion next time on Breaking Down Patriarchy. Mm-hmm.